Founders Foyer with me, Ashwarya. This foyer is full of conversations. The space where creators, founders, and builders look for all the support and concepts to grow their ideas into products. Shipping a piece of work brings inexplicable joy because there's so much that we can learn and grow every time that we do it. While this comes with a lot of challenges, adding to the effort is the way tech platforms, the market, and so many external factors keep fluctuating. So how do we get better at our craft, focus on a creative long game, and win against the odds in the internet world? We're going to be chatting all about that. And guess who is back? The one and only Aarti Ramamurthy, entrepreneur, creator, product advisor, angel investor, and somebody who just dons so many hats. Aarti runs The Good Time Show along with her partner, Shriram. And trust me, she has a fantastic lineup of conversations on her podcast as well with creative and tech folks. Their dinner table is so full of ideas. Sometimes I just wonder if it's more than the food that's there. She's currently heading product at Rhythm, formerly also leading teams at Clubhouse, Netflix, Facebook, Microsoft, and also co-founding two startups. Hey, Aarti. This is quite an intro and I can go on and on, but like now I'm going to pull you in. Thank no, you so thank much you, for being thank here. Thank you. Thank you. You're so gracious. Thank you. It's so nice to be back here on the Founders Foyer. Thanks for having me again, Aishwarya. Yeah, uh, it's my pleasure to have you again. And I know we discussed a lot about building products, first time, second time founders. How do you find product market trade? All about that in our you know first conversation. And this time, Arti, I thought we could go a little deeper into the creation aspect of things. Like, you know, yeah. a lot of us are inspired by shipping things out, building in public, and it's just so energized by these ideas. But there's also like a lot for us to cover there. And you as a podcaster and also like having your own creative pursuit, I think there's a lot that we can unpack there. So yeah, thank you again for being here. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Cool. So um, let's start with this notion, Arti, that I've generally been finding with a lot of people. For them, creative work gets to be more like a content game because the focus is all around calendar schedules and like trying to measure things, but most often kind of vanity metrics. So how's focusing on value been very helpful for you? And how do you think this is something that we can adopt as a mindset? It's a great question. I think if you think about a value, say for a podcast as such, like, you know, let's talk about like the, the creative output first and then like day-to-day -day work, mm. startups, that kind of thing. We started this, we started the Arthi and Shriram show completely as an accident, right? Like we kind of started it because it was like thick of the pandemic. And we realized that we used to host a lot of these dinner conversations with people at home. And at that time we lived in Silicon Valley. We would have different founders, investors, just people in the tech circle show up at home. And just talk. And it was incredibly valuable for everyone around the room. It was amazing for me. And so that we kind of missed that whole rhythm. And so what we thought we would do is during the pandemic, we said, what if we just made this all virtual? We would just mm. still invite a few people. We'd still have these conversations, but everybody else can sit in and kind of be spectators at this table. And that's kind of how the whole thing started. So we we started out in a very kind of selfish pursuit of wouldn't it be nice if we did what we did before, but for ourselves, because we're just sitting at home, bored out of our mind. And then from there, I think it just kind of sort of picked up. I think the first few conversations were how to be a good product leader, how to do performance mm -hmm. reviews, get promoted at work, like things like that. And we would get all these guests. And then I think it started moving more into very specific topics. I think Elon Musk showed up and then Mark Zuckerberg yeah. showed up. And uh, a lot of those were like very specific conversations around starting companies, going to Mars, AR, VR. And we kind of thought, oh man, there's something here. Not just about like people wanting to spend time listening in. It's about like actually learning from each other and getting inspired and wanting to go build your own company or, you know, whatever that might be. And so that's kind of how it started. So it started as a total accident. But as we started like building this and scaling this, we realized that there's a lot of value here, not just for us, but for everybody else. And we also started going a little beyond just the core tech circuit. And right. we started getting people who are writers, like authors, you know, movie directors, 
sports folks, fashion folks, musicians, and it started kind of like scaling beyond just this core, you know, tech circuit. And tech is like something, you know, I'd kind of grown up with, I'd known all my life. But the other fields, you know, one, it felt like a total imposter, right? We're like, well, we're not sports people. We are not musicians. How are we going to like have a conversations? But you realize that all of these folks kind of have this like commonality in mm. if they're very, when, when you interview somebody who's really good at their craft, they are so passionate about it and the, and the common themes start to emerge. All this, oh. day, the focus on learning has actually been a hack for us. It's been actually easier for us to go focus on that than to focus on content for content's sake or just put something out there kind of thing. And so it started as an accident, but I'm really glad like we kind of stumbled onto this kind of journey. Right. Fantastic. And I, I, I think it could resonate a lot with you when you explain how this started as an accident, because just a couple of weeks ago, I was telling a person who was very keen about understanding why do podcasters uh, begin with the podcast in the first place. I think I was trying to tell them that you never start a podcast by wanting to start a podcast. I think it's 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 like a byproduct kind of a thing. Like you just start with wanting to have conversations or just getting excited about a bunch of ideas. And podcast just tries to become like a medium to get that done. But right. most often the core team is always to get the ideas out, whether it's going to be by yourself or trying to have a conversation with somebody. So I'm I'm glad that right. you brought that kind of you know mindset or or, or a principle back because. Most often the other extreme when I talk to people who are just getting excited about podcasts is, is trying to get into those operational aspects of it, which is good, but not too early on because you start deciding, oh, like, how, how do I need the podcast? Or, you know, yeah. what's, what's the kind of tool that I want to have to set this up? But hey, hey, like, pause, right. you, you don't know what the core theme is or like, what do you really want to yeah. do with this? So that kind of creative output or like more like the process towards creative output, I think that needs a lot more thinking and a lot more reflection on from I think what you explained as well. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think a lot of people just forget that there's some stat that says, you know, like 80% of the podcast die after like 20 episodes or something of that mm. sort or die within 20. Like if you make it to 20, then you like have a chance of surviving. So, I mean, if you're starting or thinking about starting a podcast, uh, I think the single biggest piece of advice I would give is make it to the 20th episode and then you'll be fine. <laughs> You can focus on production value, lighting, gear, who's going to edit it, what kind of clips are you going to put out? Like you can do all that down the road, yeah. but make it to 20. If you persist till that point, you'll be fine. I think you can figure out what the common <laughs> theme is, what the overarching story arc is, all of that stuff. Yeah. And I think you can also extrapolate this to any kind of a creative pursuit, whether it's uh, somebody who's trying to set up a newsletter or somebody who's trying to like write a book. Right. Uh, it it right. kind of starts with really understanding uh, the motive behind it. And uh, right. the, the example that you brought within the commonality, I think that's great because uh, one common hindrance is also like trying to say, oh, like, I, I just don't know enough about this field to be able to talk or share ideas. And right. that's also like, always had conditioned uh, mindset right. with how we grew up and like apart right. from the internet world that is people say oh you like you become a master and then sh start sharing your ideas or like you get great yeah. at something to be able to like just talk about it so there's this internal filter that we start putting and then we're like oh no I, I just don't have enough expertise on this to to be able to share ideas or or talk mm -hmm. about this public but I'm I'm so glad that that you know notion is getting changed but mm -hmm. I also feel that this is a huge challenge I don't know like have you seen this in general with people around you, Artie? I see that. And not just like creative output, right? Like I kind of see that across the board. But I think the more more common thing I see is like people will start but would just give up. And they would give up because it's too hard. They give up because something happened, something came in that week or they just they feel like it's not really working. And, you know, don't get me wrong, like our podcast you know we're trying to like this is not our full-time job it's not even like a part-time thing right like we're just trying to like find time to go record and make this work so the thing that I really see is uh, less about people not starting but more about people mm. not persisting right and they would give up for whatever reason right like they'd give up because you know work got in the way or mm. uh, you know something some big hiccup showed up and understandable but 
I feel like if a lot more people just like spent the time persisting, and this is, you know, we're recording this in January. This is the time of New Year resolutions. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the biggest theme that we've seen year over year is most resolutions fall off the radar by Feb. Um, and it's kind of sad, right? Like you spent all this time trying to figure out like what you want to do, how the next year is going to be, you know, new year, new you and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of like give up in 40 days. That just seems such a waste. So I think the thing that I would, I said this before, but if you're able to persist and see it through for whatever mm -hmm. duration, like, you know, have like a milestone or a checkpoint and say, if I make it to X number of whatever, like, I will write the 50th newsletter and then I will like take a break. I will, you know, whatever that output might look like, just mm. so that um, because you're not going to get really good day one, you're not even going to get really good day five or fifth mm. time you're doing this. Uh, but by the 50th time, you've probably had a bunch of lessons and you're probably kind of there. And even if you hate it, if you can assist to that milestone, it would at least teach you more about yourself and your creative output then you would actually think you would you'd learn yeah that's that's very true and i i totally agree with that and that's how people start building their own cadence like it's never to do with oh so that person's shipping like five times right. a week so let me go ahead and start doing that i think that's never going to work because uh, right. you have to find what what really sticks to you and the couple of indicators that you were sharing i think that's that's a great start to say that let me do like five episodes, let me do like 20 episodes or like let me start with like a couple of editions and then see yeah. where it goes. So yeah, I think that's that's a good um, indicator to begin with. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, you just brought in the whole 2024 aspect and I, I can't be excited enough because most people listening to this episode and also the others who are just chancing upon this episode would definitely have to start about getting started with a little project of theirs which could be just putting their thoughts out in public or it could be like writing articles, blogs, videos. And so how to grow the discoverability in the most organic way, Aarti? Because we are at a time where tech platforms, this is, is very hard to navigate at times because you don't know how do you measure growth? How do you measure performance? Like things are great one day, things are just going berserk the other day and platforms are getting complicated and, and just keep, keep to evolve. I think honestly, the first whatever time frame you're setting for yourself, don't focus on the growth part. Like, you know, you can, honestly, you'll figure out distribution, you'll figure out uh, acquisition, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. your side hustle might be. If it's like a tech startup, if it's like, you know, whatever you're trying to do, I would actually focus on getting it out there, just shipping. Uh, there's so little focus on, the zero to one work of like getting it out the door and getting other people to go see it or try it. And so much more focus on, is it successful? And I think it's going to, you'll get there and that is going to be a problem and you're going to like find ways. There is no one silver bullet to finding distribution or scalable customer acquisition. You're going to have to find what works for you. You're going to look at like ROI from, I don't know if you're doing ad spend or if you're doing like any other like organic viral ways to grow. There's no like one size fits all kind of approach that is like, here's the secret book of finding mm. growth kind of thing. But I do think shipping is the first step. And half the time, I think whether we like it or not, the obstacle is, is it too silly? Is it too stupid? Would people even try it? Would people use it? I don't know kind of thing but yeah I can tell you the number of projects both at work as my full-time effort but also as like side hustles where once you ship and you get it out the door especially if you're like have the privilege of like being able to build in public you start to get into this cadence of oh I got this customer what is that person doing how are they using this app or this product and what value are they seeking from it wait let me watch that and you kind of like start to iterate on it now you're not the only stakeholder. There are other people you're right. responsible for. And it just becomes this really nice virtuous cycle. It's like an upward spiral for you. Uh, as mm. opposed to the downward spiral, which is you sitting by yourself, not shipping anything, not putting it out there, constantly trying to make it better. You know, I will ship when the version is perfect, when this is great, when it is amazing. There's no such thing. I mean, if you have a high bar for yourself, which you should, 
you're always going to be like kind of cringing about your first version out there. If you're not, then it's not early enough or, or it's not, it, it's, it's a little too late. If you feel like this is like a perfect, great version to put out there, it's a little too late to ship. So the first <laughs> version that you put out there should always make you feel like when you have people like using your app or whatever, it should be like, oh my God, I can't believe they're like going through this onboarding experience. This is horrible. And you just like slightly die inside. And uh, <laughs> I've now come to just relish that a little bit because yeah, it just tells me that I am not the only person out there now thinking about this. There's somebody else who's going to work with me, whether they like it right. or not. I'm, you know, I'm just going to like figure out how to make this work for them. And it's great. Like, it's the most fulfilling thing you can do to have users try something that you put out there or consume something that you've written or, you know, publish a video that the people are viewing. And uh, it's great. So people should just do more of that without having to think about growth and distribution as the step one hurdle. Right. Again, a very, very relatable one because all of what you said sounds like the right kind of good problems for people to have, especially when they're new, when they're trying to ship things out, because you kind of get more of goodwill. You kind of interact with people. You get more of their thoughts only when you're able to put something out. And I find this that uh, people miss out on how great DMs and even like very, very short comments can be like great signals for them when they initially put out uh, some piece of work. I mean, they kind of always concentrate on, oh, but this post just got 10 likes or it just got like a couple of views. But, you know, that's that's not how it should be performing. Like I expected kind of a very skyrocketing way of performance. But there would be like just two messages or three messages from people. And when I, when I pointed out and they're like, oh, but, you know, those were like just my friends or those are people that I know or, you know, it's just coming from somebody who just like to work, but that's not equivalent to performing well. I think that's one of the gravest mistakes that somebody could make initially. Because any mm -hmm. kind of an outreach that you get from somebody that you know or somebody from an extended circle is definitely a signal that you're doing well and you're doing your best right. to get things right. out there and, and right. iterate and get it better with every you know possible outcome. So that's something that comes to my mind just as you just shared this. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So, Aarti, I would also like to understand more about the importance of connections because we're talking about how you have multiple stakeholders, you kind of work together, there is no you, there's always kind of we in it. Uh, but whenever you try to reach out to people, and these are like when people tell you, oh, network is important, making connections is important. They, the same folks also overlook the fact that in order to be supportive, they also need to build belief capital in others and eventually have a good connection made out of it. So from your experience as you know, multiple avenues you've had as an entrepreneur, as a product lead, as, as a podcaster. How has this belief capital and supporting others in the community helped make good connections and build a good network? I kind of separate out those two, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think they are the same thing. If anything, for you to build connections, it needs to come from a place of you wanting to help people and you not expecting something in return. And oftentimes I, I'll see people who will network, quote unquote, network because they want something out of this thing. And right. it's fine. Like, you know, that happens a bunch. But I've, I've come to believe that the best connections happen when there is no transactional value that you're putting in place in, in there. It's really because you are coming from a place of curiosity. You're coming from a place of wanting to help. You... Mm. You just want to know who these people are or who this person is. And those to me are like the best kind of connections. And, you know, there is a chance that down the road, you might ask them something or they might ask you. But it should not come from a place of like, I need this person to try my app. Let me first be friends with them. Like it doesn't work that right. way. Like that, that is not how, they, if anything, like we did this, this whole episode on like how to network. And we talk about this a lot, right? Like, People forget that networking is not zero sum. It's, it's, it's infinite sum, right? Like you want to be able to help people genuinely get to know them, genuinely want to be a part of whatever it is that they're doing and want them to do better. Like you aspire to like help them achieve their goals. And if you do that, then there is a chance that in the process, you 
been, you've built this like really strong set of like connection bases, which at some point could be useful for you or could be like leverageable, but that is not the goal. That is not the intent. Yeah. And I also think this is why Silicon Valley is the best at what it does. Because when I first moved there 12, 13 years ago, I was kind of blown away with the number of people who would just open the doors and want to meet with me, get coffee with me, want to just connect me with somebody who's like famous or like a big founder or whatever. Mm. And I would be like, why? What's in it for them? Like, why do they do this? And, and it is also like, you know, depending on which culture you come from, that's not a pervasive way to think about things. And I think this is why Silicon Valley does so well, because people mm. are so open to be able to open doors and help each other without expecting anything in return. Like this is kind of the norm. This is what you do. And all this is, and it's not fully altruistic. It is from a sense of, I just want to like put out, put myself out there and help these folks. And maybe, maybe just down the road, if something comes out of this or in the future, if they're starting a company, maybe they'll think of me and I can like write a check or something of that sort. So it's not always like you're doing this fully out of the goodness of your heart, mm. but there is no like direct transactional value to it, which I think is wonderful. And it's something yeah. that Jeremy and I have like learned a lot from being able to like take that as like a value and imbibe it in companies that we invest in, founders we meet, and just people in general to kind of think about it as, think of it as networking as a way for you to just understand how people work and less about you wanting value from them. Right. Yeah. No, the biggest reason that I put out that question was also to get this kind of a perspective through having a bet on people and like just trying to be there, trying to be right. supportive and, and, and kind of it's it, like I like this whole aspect of calling it the belief capital because you just don't immediately try to manipulate somebody. Like, you know, there are times that, uh, like you said, you reach out because you expect something in return. But most often, this is this is the nicest thing that I've seen. Perhaps I've seen it more on the internet world than I have seen offline that people are just so ready to, you know, start a chat with you, try to co-build a project with you, try mm. to give you feedback if you're shipping something out. And right. I'm, I'm so glad that you experienced the same thing offline in Silicon Valley by meeting founders and friends. But it, th there's also largely where I come from and I've seen, a, you know, folks uh, around me say about it. The internet has definitely been a good amplifier in Helping people get that mindset that, oh, like you can think about this. It's okay for people to right. uh, be there out, you know, trying to help you with what you do. So it's, it's great that these experiences blend together. And like I said, it's, it doesn't have to be completely altruistic. Like somewhere down the line, it helps. And we have seen such examples as well, where people who started out as, you know, virtual buddies, eventually building something together, eventually co-hosting a podcast or a newsletter or, you know, whatever it is. So glad, glad to know the experiences yeah yeah no I, this is something i really strongly believe in the power of just one putting yourself out there and two helping people without the expectation that they'll do something in return for you and i think it is magical to shift your mindset into that because one it's healthy for you to have a sense of i just want to help people and it's fine if nothing comes mm -hmm. back to me and also coming from a place of i'm just here to go learn and i think that's yeah. just like it's a very healthy mindset to be in yeah, very true. And in the recent times, I've actually been seeing people tweet about it or, or share their thoughts mm -hmm. about how a very curiosity-led approach to meeting people or even like trying to learn newer skills is, is sort of helping because you don't start mm -hmm. from the place of uh, where am I full and where am I lacking? But you start more from, hey, this is interesting. This person's interesting. Let me just start to, you know, just go say hi. It's okay if, if they don't have time. And that I've also seen it come back to cold DMs because people always ask this question about, hey, but you know, you send out so many DMs and it's not like everybody's going to sit and write for it. Or it's it's like, you know, they always look at it from a sense of, but you're wasting time. Like just sending a message to them and they're not responding back to you. And like, where is all, all of this effort going through? But I think yeah. I've always looked at it from a very different lens is that even if it's like, the you know, the time that they don't respond back to you or, you know, you don't get a response back. It's always that you led from an angle of curiosity. Hey, like you tried because you were approaching them from the angle of curiosity and someday, and this has happened where they get back to you like after a very, very long time, they still get back to you. But, you know, there are cases they don't, but 
it's yeah. never the aspect of i did a ping and i got a pong it's never from that aspect it's it's always from sure. i was interested in it genuinely i did it and like you know this is how it it went went out to be yeah yeah so true <laughs> yeah so we're talking about this learning journey and how could one uh, you know put themselves out there learn from whatever they're doing whether it's it's side projects whether it's skills uh, i'd love to take deeper into one not so much spoken uh, part in in terms of learning which is to grow one's competence um especially by learning alongside with people of you know similar or a higher league and i know arti you often talk about this that as a creative or a product person you you give a lot of importance to learning from peers or learning from people who are great at their craft who've been there like trying to absorb a lot of things from them so could you share what this kind of a mindset or this outlook to learning could could help you evolve to i mean it's got you want to have the beginner's mindset you want to be able to come from a like no matter where you are in your career or your life you kind of want to come from a place of i'm going to go figure out you know think of like you know i'm going to figure out how to mm. start a substack and be able to scale it i'm going to go figure out you know how to put out content or how do i write an ios app and like get you know x number of people to be able to try it and i think there is a lot of just there's a lot of goodness in just wanting to go learn things from scratch like you know, just first principles just wanting to like go learn something from the beginning without having this like sense of oh but you know it's it's not a competition it's not that if you build something somebody else is not able to it's not zero sum you're coming from with this mindset of like i'm just curious how people go do this and i'm going to go learn that and 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 that it can be in tech it can be in content it can be some creative thing or it can be something totally different right and you know it's it's really up to you to go figure out what that is and you want to go pick up and i would highly encourage people just like pick a thing or two and just try mm-hmm. it from scratch one you'll surprise yourself on how much you're able to learn in what amount of time if you just shift your mindset to it and also you'll just feel really good about it you just like try something totally new if nothing else this would be a great i don't know dinner party conversation on something that you ended up picking up and doing and you're just like it's a hobby that you're trying out and you're just like learning from scratch and and also you will be surprised at the number of people who are willing to help you out in like in your pursuit of things like the moment you kind of put yourself out there and tell the world hey i'm trying to learn this people will just reach out and they will just like want to figure out how to help you get there and be good mm. at what you do and learn from that and so even if there is like you have very little bandwidth you don't really want like you don't have you know ton of resources just pick something that you can just start from scratch and be able to like and there's just a lot of goodness that will come out of it even though it doesn't look obvious when you first started out yeah sounds more the the velocity is is important in the initial phase like just start at it like try to narrow it down to things that you currently don't know about or things that you think you can get good with and then starting to put things out i think so i honestly think it is like mm consistency and perseverance right. rather than the velocity of it right because you know you're right with the consistency part because there's you know that kind of a question that often comes up in most creative communities that i've just like went to meet people or like try to speak to people online it's the fact that oh like it is great value content like you putting out something great but like how do you keep at that consistency like how do you build that consistency so i think it's, it's like as much as the term and and what it stands for is is simple it is it's got very hard to keep at it i think if you are able to if you are able to show up every single week and put out content one you are going to get better at it you're going to find ways to make this better because you are starting to invest time in it and two i do think there is a moment when you start taking it as like it's not just me in it there are other people consuming stuff and there are other people who are like seeking value mm. from this so i owe it to them to make this better and you will start working towards it so i do think 
putting a calendar invite on your own calendar once a week, every week, and showing up and and putting content out there. If that's that's your pursuit, right? Like a lot of people listening to this may not be in the creative space. They might not be working on content, but if it is something that you can stick with for whatever time that you commit to, I think there is a lot of value there. Even at the end of it, if you're like, doesn't matter. I wasn't like really going to like make this a career or make this a profession or anything of that. Like you don't have to think all that far out ahead, but all I want to do is every week I'm going to spend once a week, 30 minutes doing something that uh, I have never done before and put that on your calendar and find a way to make it happen. I think there is a lot of value there. Right. And when you start doing a lot of this, like being consistent or trying to leverage the internet, because when you keep doing these things, it's, it becomes largely your identity and you start building your circles and you just, you just get at a better momentum with it. So how to handle the other extreme of it, which is, let's say there's some negative energy, there's criticism, there's something that's beyond the constructive angle, like beyond the collaborative angle that we've been speaking about. Uh, how do you not fall into this hatred trap that just is too easy because things can just escalate when you are out there, when, when you are in your um, communities. So how, how would you say that one should segregate this? And have you had such experiences in, in your um, creative journey? Yeah, I think it's a good question. And look, if it was like a bigger, more generous person, they would be like, well, you know, just ignore it, whatever kind of thing. Then there are days when I would just be like, whatever, just, you know, and you're putting yourself out there. It's on the internet. You will get people who would like leave a comment. They're probably spending like 10 seconds just typing this like kind of nasty comment. And mm -hmm. you spend a day agonizing about it, maybe more. So there's just asymmetry and just impact there. And you kind of have to like realize that being like, are you willing to let this like thing ruin your day? And you kind of have to like, so when I was a lot younger, teenage years, 20s, I would use any of these like negativity to like kind of fuel myself into being like, well, I'm mm. going to show them. I'm going to make this work kind of thing. And I kind of feel like what ended up happening was I would always uh, often start seeking out people who are like kind of negative and being like, right. well, wh what did you say? Like, you know, did you want to like, did you think I'm not like going to do this? Do you think I'm not good enough? And it just puts you in like a really weird mental state because you're often yeah. trying to like feel challenged and you're like, well, come at me kind of thing. Becomes counteractive and, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're supposed to be doing the opposite, which is like, you know, you kind of let these people chill because it doesn't really matter. It shouldn't be affecting your psyche, but you can't help it. If anything, you're like trying to, it's like a heat seeking missile. You're like trying to gravitate towards these people who are just horrible for your mental health. And, uh, and, you know, I just let that just like destroy me being like, oh, these people, I'm going to show them kind of thing. And then at some point I was like, why? Why, am I, why do I care about this so much? And I have this like really excellent leadership coach. Her name is Katya. And she basically said, one of the things that she had said was, one, work with people who kind of see what you can do, who can like kind of see how creative you can be. And mm -hmm. kind of see the positives of you. And you want to like be surrounding yourself with like other people like that. And two, observe all the stuff coming in. If somebody is like saying something negative or leave a comment that is like a really shitty YouTube comment, just let it just go through your system. It's like, oh, they come from a place of like curiosity. It's like, oh, how does it make you mm -hmm. feel? Why do you react this way? Why does it like really bother you? Do you really feel like you're not good enough? And you just let let it pass through your system and you will kind of figure out it's not, you know, they, they have so little power over you at the end of this. Like you don't right. have to do anything in reaction. You can just let this flow and let it slide and kind of have this like, it's kind of like watching a river flow or something. You're like, well, it's in point A and now it's in point B. Great. It flowed by. Does nothing to me. I'm just going to go do my thing. And kind of be this like passive observer of negative emotions and all of that. And it sounds so zen and it sounds really woo-woo, but if you truly can get get yourself to that state, it's almost a little bit like funny. You're like, ah, oh, ha, ha, like, sure, this guy said this. And 
you just like let that thing go by and you're like, well, okay, fine. And then you just move on because what's it to you? You're not going to spend all your time agonizing about it. You know, you owe this person nothing. And if it was like a sincere kind of critique or actual feedback to make yourself better, you should actually appreciate it because not many people will actually do that. So in yeah. some cases, I would just like leave a comment being like, thank you so much. I never thought about that. And I would just like tell them. But in some cases, I just let it go because what are you going to do? It's like such a waste of time for you to like just get yourself so worked up about every small thing. Um, mm. And it always be this way. I used to be that person who was always like getting so riled up, so frustrated, so negative. Like I'm never going to go post. Like I think there was a time in my 20s when somebody posted, somebody left some anonymous comments somewhere for some article that I got covered in and being like, oh, if she wasn't mm -hmm. tweeting all day, maybe she would like be a better founder or something. And I was like, the fuck is that? Like, how can you say yeah. that? And I looked, I looked at my Twitter history and I was like, I tweeted once this week. What is wrong with these people? And for some reason, I just stopped tweeting for like months after that. And I was like, oh, oh no. And now in retrospect, I was like, why did I let myself like get so impacted by it? It's just this person who's probably like eating popcorn, leaving this anonymous <laughs> comment, like faceless person, just putting themselves out there saying this mean thing. They're not even thinking about me, like whatever. It's just life moves on. So yeah. um, all this wisdom is much, much later when I'm older. But when I was younger, I was definitely not that like then about it. Yeah, and, and that's where most of them start, right? I think when you begin with shipping things out, you're always at this... To me, I, I look at this more as not the age, but more like how early are you with putting things out? So you could start, yeah. let's say, when you're 30s, but you could be still new to putting something out in public and trying to see it all glitters. It's like, oh, I got my first like, I got this person commenting on it. So it's kind of nice and shiny in the initial phase. But like you mentioned, it it could turn the other side out and you the the mind shift that you had with respect to like what it could do to you back you know you start seeking out such people and for me the realization was even much later to always look at it more from the energy perspective so I was like oh is this giving me like a very negative energy so I'm just going to like keep this away or I'm just like not going to let this come in the path of putting things out and yeah it, it definitely comes only after a few times of looking at it a few times of uh, shipping things out but you know like initial phase it, it does get to you and uh, and and I'm glad you shared that uh, personal experience because for a lot of people it could turn a very anti thing like whatever was giving you as your superpower can turn against you like it could say like oh you're, you you start shipping things out for people you start shipping things out to prove somebody that hey I am good or like you know I I, I kind of deserve that worth but you've always deserved that worth you've always deserved it because you know you started shipping in the first place like you started putting out your idea and like you started giving it more form and life and that's how you begin with whether it's an article whether it's a product feature but you start thinking about it more from a lens that somebody's engineered for you and not from you know how you started it initially mm -hmm. yeah totally yeah yeah so yeah that that is uh you know very very relatable and uh, this is also like pushing me to think in the angle of optimism because we're talking about how things could get critical, things could get very nasty in terms of, yeah, there are people who don't like me, that's okay. And sometimes it, it gets very much to do not with the person, but also with, you know, the tech as such. Like, let's say you put things out. and It's, it's kind of in a very, very different domain, a, a very different idea. Sometimes the attack is not on you as a person, but like kind of, pulling the whole concept down or pulling the whole thing down. So I want to talk about the other path to it, which is being very enthusiastic about technology, being uh, able to build that sort of contagious optimism in in making a business grow and in, in helping people amplify their stories. If somebody is not from a very, you know, regular background or somebody who does not know how to follow this kind of an optimism or create their own route, what examples would you suggest? Because I know you're a person who did that. Like you started things out in a very simple way. You kind of, at, at the point in time that you are, you kind of built a lot on every level of optimism that you had in time. I just think you just are. Like, you know, you are, you're living in possibly the best point of time uh, in the history of the world. If you are, if you have 
reasonable uh, internet access if you are in a place where you have like your basic, like, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy figured out, you are ahead of like most people in civilization up to this point in this history of time, right? Like all of these people before you all had life in like, in somehow in like not as great a way as you are in right now. So not Mm -hmm. to be like, oh my God, I'm so grateful, whatever. But I think it is also a sense of like, uh, from a techno-optimistic standpoint, I've always been a techno-optimist. Yeah. Tech has given me, being in tech, being involved in tech, being able to build things has given me a lot. Both like, you know, just a tangible, like financial success, that kind of thing. But also, this is the part of my identity. Like my identity will always be rooted in being a part of the tech industry. And so I always have really positive things to say when it comes to, do you believe that technology can change the world? I think technology is changing the world. It's always been the case. I think founders are the people who are going to change the world. I think you have to go encourage more and more and more entrepreneurism. That is like the single biggest like secret sauce, I think, to solving problems. And and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's also why you kind of gravitate towards like pockets of people who kind of have a similar belief in you. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, nobody in my family was like really into tech growing up, like not my parents, anybody else, because tech was like relatively nascent. But then getting into it, it gave me my first job. It gave me like a career. I ended up like starting companies, hiring people, like being in a point where we can now build things, put things out there. Like if I'd started out as, I don't know, like, you know, an architect or something of that sort, I think it's a little bit different. Not to say it's like, it's impossible, but for me, I can basically pull up my laptop in my bedroom, in my pajamas and start like building something and shipping something. And there are thousands like how we're recording this episode of people. Yeah, exactly. Then there are like millions of people who will like consume it. Right. And, and I think there's so much to say for that. Like there is so much Mm -hmm. magic to that. Right. And so it is hard for me to think of why you shouldn't be a techno optimist. I don't really have some big advice on why everybody should be an optimist. Why not? Like what, what, you know, your, your life circumstances might be different. Your career circumstances Mm. might be different, but you, if you are working in technology and you have this kind of career arc, you can still pick up your laptop and build something cool and put it out there for the world. And that's kind of, that's more than what most people in our history have been able to do. And I think there's something to it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just my personal belief. It's kind of what our show is themed on. You know, we we are big fans of builders, creators, people who put themselves out there. We are techno-optimists at the core of it. And, and we also seem to gravitate towards people who have a similar belief and culture. And that's just generally been net positive for all of us, right? Like we mm. get to learn from each other build things from e- with each other and it's just like a healthy community of people who are all about acceleration and about belief in technology being net positive for mankind right and to me as you you know explain this journey it it, it also sounds more like how being an optimist not just from a very you know like oh i want to be an optimist kind of a work optimism but just trying to have that belief in in what you do and in how you build it and how you connect with people is also serendipitously helping you meet more people of of very similar kind. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what leads to communities or circles as well. And getting back to what we spoke on connections and, you know, trying to have a very infinite sum game with being able to interact and help people. I, from your story, I could see how that rooted on to, you know, you taking a bet on, New founders, like trying to be an angel investor, trying to bet on their ideas, trying to work with them. And, you know, that would same thing with Sriram and same thing with a lot of other people that you know, where you just don't stop at it because, you know, optimism is helping you grow your path or help you grow your project. But you have to start reflecting that on other people. Like eventually that that leads to another side of the story where you start growing that and you start helping people 
see that they could also be optimistic about their own self and also like beyond. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. Right. Cool. So I think one of the last, you know, things that I would like your thoughts on is speaking about the collaborative work and how it's important to sort of support each other respect to building own projects or, or trying to take inspiration. I think having personal monopoly is very important because as we speak, it's it's more like, oh, I know Arti because she's known for this. I, I know Aishwarya because I've seen her do this. I know ABC because they do this. So in what ways can one get their individuality at the same time also inspired by people around and like trying to build their own sense of taste and trying to get inspiration? while also having their own track or own own individuality to doing things. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I, I do things that feel authentic to me. I do things that I know I'm good at. And if I'm an expert at it, I want to be able to talk about it. If I'm not, then I would just listen and hear other people talk about it. But it's so much better to operate from a place of authenticity because at least like, in your, like, even if nobody else can catch on to it, you feel internally that, you know, you've, you've done the thing that you're the best suited for or mm. what you've taken your skill set and have done something with it. So, for example, 10 years ago, I would have probably not been able to speak about angel investing. Um, mm. I hadn't really angel invested much, wasn't really in the game, so to speak. Now, I think, I've been an angel investor in like 40, 50 companies. And it's given me a lot of perspective to go look at, you know, one, just what I look for in companies and founders, that kind of thing. But two, what I've learned watching people build things, not just like my own startup, but like having seen other founders succeed or fail or like have to make hard decisions, all of that. And so now I can confidently go in and say, I'm an angel investor. This is what I've learned. And that if I like put mm. that out as a content, that would work, right? Like, because it comes from a place of authenticity. And so I kind of look at it as like, it, it doesn't have to be unique. I'm sure there are lots of people mm. who like talk about it, but my point of view is valuable. If nothing else to me, if to no one else, but to me, because I know that this is coming from a place of actual experience of like doing it and being in the game. And I would just lean with that. Like, I think a lot of content creation, I think people start out being super authentic and then they start getting into this like rat race yeah. of like, I just want yeah. to get more views or get more clicks or get more followers or whatever. And sure, that's fine. As like a, you know, like you want a milestone, you want a metric to go measure how successful you are. But if you're not authentic, then people will see through it. Like at the end of the day, people just understand what you're able to deliver is value versus not. Right. Yeah, I think the last part of what you were saying is something that, you know, people notice these days about, oh, you know, this used to give me like a lot of energy. Like I, I started out with, you know, these topics because that's that's the most information that right. I know and I could also learn with. But it slowly goes down to like, I, I mean, to bring a very relatable example, I was talking to a, a fellow creative person and, you know, she was trying to talk to me about how she wanted to start a podcast or, you know, she wanted to do something with a couple of ideas that she had. But she was also on the bench of like, hey, but I'm interested in these these kind of topics, but it's not really the ones that go well with the audience. I mean, like the audience is kind of expecting something different. Like they want these, these kind of things. I don't know, like, how do I balance it out? Because I don't want to be doing something for them. But at the same time, this is a geography that's going to listen to me. This is the set of people who are going to be, you know, giving me feedback. So I'm, I'm more at a loggerheads here because I want to be doing something that excites me. But at the same time, I see this is not really, you know, sticking well. So it's, it's kind of more like a, you know, chicken and egg kind of a problem because you know you have to start somewhere, but you also yeah. know that you need the other part. Yeah, no, I, I see that. And there's a tricky balance, right? Like you can't just like put out your own like, oh, I, I'm very good at these two things and this is all I'm going to go talk about. You kind of yeah. have to go figure out what that balance looks like. I think my hack uh, has been, you know, there are two of us. There's both me and Shuram. So our skill sets are like somewhat complementary. So that works out. Mm. And then when we get guests on the platform, we, you know, like most recently, I think we got Vinod Kusla on the platform. 
And yeah. that was really good because, you know, as much as I can talk about angel investing, here is this man who's just prolific, right? Like, it's like invested billions of dollars in companies and is like the de facto expert in the room, so to speak. And so there's a lot that we learned from him. And so mm. there are ways for you to navigate by figuring out what is it that you're good at doing versus like what can you bring to the table or who else can can add right. their value and expertise. So you can still put out the content. It doesn't have to be all from you, right? Like there are ways mm -hmm. to go. But yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tricky balance. Like you kind of have to figure out yeah. what does the audience want? What's going to work? What are you good at? Can you do anything else? And kind of like figure it out. But for us, this is not a full-time thing. Like this is not something that we want to do as like a profession, right? Like it only works because mm -hmm. we do it as like a hobby. It's a kind of a creative pursuit for us. So we can kind of get away with doing what we want. And uh, and that's worked out okay so far. So, but I do get that it's like kind of a tricky balance in there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, the the best way you could navigate this is to, again, get back to a sense of reflection to understand, you know, what made you start this in the first place? Like, is it because okay. it's going to be your career or is it because you do it for fun? You do it because uh, you have so many ideas exploding in your head and you just want, uh, you know, somebody to talk about it to. I think that lens would definitely, you know, help clarify how do you want to uh, pick the direction for whatever you want to do, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a, it's a newsletter. But yeah, there is also the tricky part because most of them don't do that reflection in the first place, but like try to jump into the band of, oh, like I'll start shipping things because this kind of had like so many views, so many likes. So I, I, I see that this is the kind of pattern I want to navigate and that, you know, that runs out too quickly for them. And then they come back to say, oh, this is not working out. Like, how do I you know do it again? So yeah, I that's think okay so, too. Reflection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's okay too. I mean, look, if that's all, that's what you want to do. If you just want to like, exactly, and yeah, learn, that's okay too. Do what works for you. Do what makes you feel like, I would still pivot or hinge a lot or give a lot of weight to putting yourself out there and being consistent than to be like, ooh, is it creative? Mm. Is it unique? Like, sure, you can. Yeah. But most people don't even make it, you know, past like a specific threshold. So I would first focus on that. Like to me, that's like a first sort of problem and then you can like figure out everything else. Yeah, more like a very product-led approach to your side hustles as well because, you know, you try to figure mm -hmm. out like I want to do iteration. I just want to like figure out where it sticks with me. Like why am I supposed to do it? And then you learn your path along. Yeah. 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 That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but there's like one pattern across all of these, which is like a lot of self-reflection, like a lot of like thinking about what makes you do this. So I think that still stays to be consistent as much as, as the kind of ideas you put out. So cool. Arti, I would love to have this as one of the last questions for us, which is more like a rapid kind of a question because I would want to understand what are some unsaid truths or kind of like broad thoughts that you go by, the ones that needn't be very conventionally accepted by people or you've always found this to be a very strange thing that only you've believed in. Is there something like that more from a you know, tech folks perspective? I did say this recently and it seemed to resonate with a lot of like first-time founders. When I was a hmm. first-time founder, one of the things that I would do was to always be like, like when I would get into a fundraising meeting or a recruiting meeting or something of that sort. When people ask me questions about the business model or how would you make this work, that kind of thing, I would always be like, oh my God, they're putting me in a spot. I have to like get back to them. Like I have to like prove that I'm, I can like, I can one-up them. You know, this felt like I felt like I was coming from a place of, I need to prove to them that, you know, this is like a competition and I can like get ahead kind of thing. Mm. But over the years, what I've actually realized now, having been on the other side, where as an investor, when I look at this, I look at this and say that was like such a terrible way to go think about it. It's like such a bad mindset. I think the mindset I should have had and I have now, and I talk to founders a lot about this, is to think about it as you are the expert in the room, right? You are the yeah. person who knows 
the most about this business. Like it's your company, it's your startup. Like no one can take that away from you. Hmm. No investor, nobody else. Even if they decide to like not write a check or this this person who you're trying to recruit decides to not join you, it still sucks. Like I'm not going to say no, but you are the expert in the room, right? And so you should come from a place of probably trying to educate people or coming from a place of like they are curious and they want to know how my product works or my business works or why they should come join me. And I am the expert who's going to go tell them, right? And it's like a slight switch, but Absolutely. it is, it is to me, it gives me a lot more confidence as I think about mm. just day-to-day scenarios where I'm like, no, actually, I know this. I've got this. Yeah. Kind of thing. And so I try very hard to like take that advice for myself and it's not really a hot take. It's just more about like what I see and how people present or pitch or talk mm. about it, where they kind of look at it as like, did I answer your question kind of thing? And mm. it's less about that. It's not like a game that you're playing. It's not a Q&A session. It's really more like yeah. teach them, tell them, educate them, because you know this better than anybody else. And they are coming from a place of curiosity. And I think that mm. mindset shift is like healthy for you and it's I think healthy all around uh, for you to just think about how you want to build or scale your idea or content business or whatever that is. Absolutely. That's that's a fantastic point uh, because you're not approaching it from the angle of defense. Like, you know, you try to mm-hmm. automatically safeguard yourself to say, oh, like, uh, and, and, and uh, I'm saying this because often as, you know, PMs and product folks and founders doing this, you run into this cycle and like you you just don't realize you run into it but uh when people start asking you questions you're immediately like oh like why didn't i think of that in the first place or oh my god now i have to convince them so this is oftentimes what you run into but uh the shift that you're talking about is a very uh very interesting one and kind of very nuanced because you start thinking more from the angle of oh like i know this and i'm going to start explaining and i don't remember this podcast but um very, very similar thought that I happened to hear. I think it was one of um, a leadership coach uh, kind of a podcast. And this person was trying to give a very uh, anecdotal example, like trying to say, you are like the tour guide to a garden. Like you start taking people through and then you try to say, oh, like, did you look at this? And did you look at this kind of a place? This garden's known for this. More like if somebody's going to come and say, hey, I'm stuck and I don't know the route. You just mm-hmm. don't push them away. Like you try to say, oh, don't worry. I'm the expert here and I can take you through uh, these many routes and like these many things that I That's can show you along the way. And so that yeah. blew my mind because, you know, you often mm. try to look at it more like, a, oh, the maze is here. Like, let me go through the path A, path B, path C. But you don't try to show people the other perspectives that are along the way. So uh, mm. the place from which he was saying was more like, as you take them along the route, try to add this point to say, oh, by the way, like if you're interested, there's a spot here where you can stand and take a photo. Or if you're interested, let's probably go there. And when you explain this, I could only like immediately map it with this concept because then you start to put yourself in, in the center right. and say, I know about this and I can handle this. I can navigate this. So yeah, yeah that's, like, a, that's you know, a great way to point. frame it. Yeah, that's a great way to frame yeah. it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Aarti. Um, this has been a great session because uh, we went a lot into the creative aspects, more around thinking, mindset, and it's like very refreshing uh, as much as, you know, we speak about products and, and very traditional route of uh, yeah. markets and, and shipping products. So I'm glad yeah. that uh, you're also like trying to uh, find your journey with the Good Time Show, which I'm a huge fan of. And I keep telling that to you and Sriram every, every often then. But yeah, all the best with uh, you know what you both do it's it's fantastic and uh, let's let's bring out more positive uh, you know vibes and and more um, good pointers to think about for everybody who's out there and wishing for more people who listen to this to start shipping things out and just find joy in that yeah I mean yeah that's it's a great note to go end on it's like, I think it's, you know given that we are right in the beginning of the year um, get yourself out there put yourself out there just do stuff ship things uh, put a lot of focus on just shipping and all the good things and, and being consistent. And I think all the good things come from that. But thank you so much for just, you know, finding time and just making this whole thing happen. We're in different time zones, different countries. So thanks for all making, making this all work. And I'm a big fan. So I would love to see how this episode turned out. Thanks for having me as a guest.
Oh, that means a lot. Thank you. And coming from you, it, it definitely means a lot. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to put this out. And uh, adding on the note that uh, people ship more projects together this time. So, yeah, thanks, Arti. Yeah. Okay. Thank you.